Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did I tell you that we relaunched our TV podcast that is now called the Prestige TV Pod? We did it in time for Succession, which is launching in October. But there's so many good shows this fall. We got Yellowstone and Billions and Insecure. We have The Shrink Next Door. Is Mayor of Kingstown going to be good? We're going to be breaking all of it down. The morning show season finale. We are going to be here. Like, we're going to treat it like we treat the NBA playoffs. If there's a really good prestigious TV show, we're breaking it down in this feed. Check it out. The Prestige TV Pod from the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Cherry. And I'm Mike Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts. Here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle and entertainment and pop culture and anime and video games and soccer if I'm sick and Micah is doing this and by himself. And Donner and Blitzen <laughs> and T... Yeah, yeah it's, it's just, you know, we... We, as as I believe I've said before, we do go all over the gaffs. But today we are, um, you know, recording our most bewildered thoughts about uh, Station Eleven, the newest uh, HBO appointment viewing show. Um, right. If, po- if you're right. if you're if your favorite talking heads are to be believed. Right. Uh, Not to be confused with the novel Station Eleven, from which the show is adapted. The novel by Emily St. John. Mendel, uh, shows adapted from the from the novel. Apparently, I haven't read the novel. It changes a lot. Of I haven't stuff. read it either. Yeah. Um, I think that we should go ahead and acknowledge that up top. Neither of us has read the source material and are approaching the show from that standpoint. But again, it's a television show. You know, like I'm watching it on TV. It should be entertaining. You know, well, in the can format I, in which I am viewing it. But to that point, can I make a second caveat up top? That's really yeah. just stressing the first caveat, which is like, look, I read books, okay? I like a lot of literary fiction. And I want to grant that, like, the stuff um, 
in Yo, this show. I go to a library like, and read bad life. books. <laughs> Dude, nonfiction and fiction. Holla at me. But it's, you know, the stuff that I can imagine works well in this book, right? Um, but we're talking about the TV show. So just keep that in mind if, like, you're coming to this as somebody who, like, who read the novel. Um, I mean, like, you know, we, 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 we do understand that things were probably executed in the original medium better than they were on the screen. Uh, or at least stands to yeah. reason. Yeah, or yeah. at least differently. We know that already, probably. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we could have guessed. Yeah. What we're talking about, strictly, strictly speaking, and in every other fashion, about <laughs> uh, <laughs> about the HBO Max original, <laughs> Station yes. Eleven. Starring Mackenzie Davis. Uh... Uh, who else? Samesh Patel. Uh, you know, it's it's got first of all, Guy Garcia Bernal who really took me yeah, out. Yeah, Guy Garcia. Shows. I'm like, wait, what? And he looks just as hot as he did when I was in college. I'm so I was so bewildered by that. That was yeah. Um, I mean, you know, ensemble, very it's... ensemble. Can we set up the idea real quick of just th this universe of Station Eleven? Just because we we have like takes about this show. I I have I have a strong negative point of view on the show that I'm offering up as a contrast with which feels like the sort of unanimous every critic 10-10 best show since the Sopranos orgasmic triumph I feel like reception it's gotten that is frankly bewildering to me but let's and that's why we're talking about it actually right I think we mentioned the idea of yeah, maybe talking I... about it back when yeah we talked about Utopia um, yeah, uh, yeah, of... we were, well, I mean, like, also kind of, like, briefly mentioned it in passing last week when I was talking about some, some anecdotal thing in episode two that pertained to the Zoomers versus Millennials discussion we were having last week, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, uh, we both gave this show a fair shake, uh, of these, these last, this, these last couple of days, this past week, and, um, I think that you like are like you're probably more angry about it than I am. Like I'm just kind of like <laughs> exhausted. Yeah. yeah, yeah, significantly angrier about it than I am. I'm just kind of like <laughs> tired. You know, like it's just like, goddamn. Like you know, why are we as a species <laughs> so like like uh, just 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 what is this this it this this this, this pertinent pandemic entertainment that doesn't actually you know do much to um express the drama of the human spirit in these specific times or even entertain you for 45 minutes to an hour on end uh when there are shows that we have talked about on this very podcast that do exactly that covering this specific subject matter yeah, um, yes, that's really the thing. Can we can we just like give an overview, like a really for and it, it, this yeah, show man, can get kind of convoluted. Like, it's ensemble, but it's not that it jumps all over the place. So for no um, the first two yeah. episodes are directed by Hiro Mirai. Um a lot of slam cuts in between um the then and the hereafter, uh on either side of a global pandemic. Uh, that is on the order of like an extinction level event, more or less. Uh, and 
the first couple of episodes really just kind of like detail the like dissolution of like public consciousness and like you know the breakdown of social services and like the the awkward um mundanity of like the world ending with a whisper so on and so forth uh like basically like one like the news would be reporting one thing and people that are close to actual information would be telling their family from family members and loved ones another thing um until 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 everything you know kind of crumbles and people are hiding out in airports and in you know whatever gathering places they ended up in you know when the sky fell right and can i can i say um, to that point though i yeah. i withstanding everything i'm about to say about everything after the first episode i really love the first episode and i think it it really does nail like it focuses mostly on uh the character jeevan who I don't want to explain the whole ensemble involving like Arthur Leander and all that shit, but like basically Jeevan, who's kind of a dickhead and he's a disgruntled journalist who's sort of down on his luck at the moment. And I remember I texted Allison Herman, like after spending a few minutes with that character, I was like, is this Alex Berenson? Like, is he about to become it's basically a, a like, wacko you know, you on know, the Twitter? Like, if you watch if you watch Search Party, you're like familiar or like, you know flight attendant he's just like a hitchcock heroine basically mm -hmm. like it's just sort of he has nothing going right for him in his life not his relationship not his job not anything and therefore just kind of grabs the tail of whatever pet cause right um but he as much he's kind of like a loner and yet he by circumstance by very elaborate circumstance kind of gets stuck uh, shepherding around this little girl who right as the pandemic is sort of sweeping the planet who this girl is trying to like get home to her parents and he's just like look you know they're in the city they're in you know what I mean they're in Chicago and he's just like look like who is an adult I can pass you off to and the pandemic sweeps so fast that like there is no other adult it's just him and ultimately his brother uh, like Frank you know, basically, you remember those early 2010s disaster films where everybody was playing off the, you know, general hysteria of the end of the Mayan calendar or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like they had uh, like basically every one of those movies had a scene where pe like the cars would stop in the middle of, uh, of, of you know, um, you know, next to one world trade center or whatever and everybody would get out and start running and then like a tidal wave would crash through or whatever yeah. it's basically just sort of that yeah. in terms of like everything immediately becoming gridlocked um the subway stops running cell towers go down people walk off of new sets that sort of thing right Oh, the new set lady is the, the craziest. When she just starts talking to like her husband or her brother or something, and she's despite the fact she's yeah, on she's air. just like use back roads. Yeah, like don't don't fly, don't use any buses. Take the car, use only cash. Go only on the back roads. Body body body. And it's just yeah. like that stuff is good. I, that stuff is good to me. I, I, I get yeah. It's like it's like that stuff, but also you know, that's just children of men, dog. Like yeah, first, okay. like this is supposed. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like, it's just, I like, I'm saying this is a good, it's a good execution of the things that those types of, uh, that, that other 
um, I don't know, pieces of entertainment have done well. Like, it's as good as other stuff that you have seen already. Well, that episode, at least. But let's, I want, I want to stick a pin in that, too. We will revisit yeah. Children of Men, specifically, and also Contagion, because they feel relevant. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think all of this stuff, right, the intrigue of, like, what is the beginning of the end of the world look like? It's really well done in season, I mean, in episode one, right? And I think then the thing that happens with this show, this show, then, it, like, episode two and everything beyond that instead is, it's nonlinear, right? So, like, you know, it's, it's yeah, teleporting like all over said, a timeline. Yeah, there's slam cuts between, like, especially in the first episode, uh, between present day and like a bustling, busy subway platform, then suddenly is sunlit and overgrown, and there's cicadas and it's rusted through, and there's nobody there, signifying, like I said before, like the then and the hereafter, et cetera. Um, and that happens like a couple of times throughout that episode, but jumps between then, now the first hundred days, quote unquote, which is like, you know, just sort of like the first hundred days of like the fallout. Yeah. What was everybody's, it was just like internet, like the entire world was international waters during the first yeah. hundred days, basically. So like, you know, what was your hundred days like? And then after that, it sort of settled down and everybody was their own roaming tribes or what have you. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's more or less split up along those three timelines with like, right. you know, minor variations in between. Yeah, it is. the. I feel like it really settles into the 20 year timeline in particular. Um, the the yeah. sort of again, once people have, you know, you have the the traveling symphony, right, which they're these people in the wilderness, I guess over they're, they're across from chicago i guess in lake michigan or you know what i mean like they're they're across lake michigan right and they are a traveling yeah. shakespeare <laughs> troop <laughs> um which i actually they're like the idea yeah yeah it's just like it's just it's culture I, they're preserving the this culture. is it's yeah the this is uh, this is like and i think that i might have been talking to eric our editor about this earlier I was just saying, it's almost an interesting idea, you know, like that they have this situation, another fallout, Mad Max, whatever, yeah, uh, you know, 28 days later sort of situation, but none of the main characters are engineers or scientists or doctors or any of that. Like every, everybody is like an artist or like, you know, like a cultural archivist or an essayist or a theater director, or something. Like, it's like, okay, so what does the world look like if only the humanities survived? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the thing that's weird to me about it, though, is, one, it's sort of, it's a bunch of fucking like, stage like, actors, right? So I mean, it's like, like it's, it's, it's really like, because I mean, like, listen, if we're going to have a situation where we are talking about, um, you know, 42 days into living into an airport during quarantine, there is enough, there's like, we can care about like there being trash buildup, but not the issue of running water, sanitary, yes. like, you know, sanitation, not like with the, with the roaming, uh, 
traveling symphony. There's never any issues around fuel or food or uh, or anything like that. Things that like in any in different versions of this story, people fight and die over. It's like, you know, well, the only can thing. Can I say, it's not yeah, just different versions, though. It's within the show itself. Like, I remember I was like arguing with Allison over it. Um, specifically because of some of the darker, more desperate corners of the show where there are characters who are kind of hoarding resources and fighting for territory and stuff like that. And me being like, I don't get where, like, if if you killed 99% of the population of Chicago, people aren't going to be fighting over territory. They'll be fighting to survive. But, like, I think the show leans into some stupid ideas about what that would look like exactly. And even then, like, regardless of what you characterize, like, this is a show that spends a lot of time with a group of traveling, like, dismembered liberal arts grads who have apparently no trouble at all surviving in the wilderness, right? It's just, like, it, the tone feels so weird of, like, what is this? It's just, like, you know, you have to assume that a lot of things are happening off screen, I guess. Yeah, is... yes. The show makes you do so much work of like making it make sense because yeah. none of the writing makes it make sense. Because like, where did Kirsten learn? Like, I, do you, like where did Kirsten learn weapons training? Hmm? How does she like? How can she throw knives like that? Yeah, but I think that's a specific thing. I think even broader basic things are just sort of. Like, I mean, like I don't I, like broader. It. Yeah, of course, of course, broader basic things are like you know inconsistent. But you know, again, like in the grand scheme of things, this is like you know a ridiculous thing to quibble with. But also, in addition, how does she get that nice with the throwing knives? Yes. Um, how does she? Get that? Yes. Uh, or like, like there's but, a story there and I wish the show told it. And I wish it would explore. Yeah, I wish they would like explore that because it's just like, you know, the whole killing of the red bandanas thing. Um, she obviously has bodies on her. Let's let's hear about it. Right. You know. Right. It's the thing. It's it's always surprising watching the show, the stuff that the writers don't think to make a story out of. Right. It's like it's mm -hmm. the end of the world and it just like again the traveling symphony stuff i think i think people who like this it's show an anthology a lot, series where there's no depth like yeah nobody, yes. where you don't yeah you don't know any like it's just glossing over um you know the world map that comes in you know the pre-word or, or like in the first couple of pages before the foreword in the actual first chapter like it's just that's what this show feels like yeah i think like across all the arcs of this show which i don't want to over explain i think this show definitely has a severe problem of like I i'm not saying you have to be a prepper or a hyper realist or that this has to be a milsim or something but i don't think it's too much to ask the question of like seriously just give me the basics on like how like how does the traveling symphony survive it's insane that you spend so much time with these people in these really tedious sort of traversal scenes, and you, you, they just sort of like have food all the time. And you know yet, the thing, yeah, the thing is that, like, yeah, like, and the and the thing is that, like, really, what it was that that bothered me about this, like, I like where it really bothered me initially is not even. I think that there's like a scene where, like, they finally flash back to the between time where, like, Kirsten and Jeevan are have made it across. Um, 
the like uh or lake michigan what did yeah. they, they cross it's lake, lake michigan Erie? they, they yeah. cross lake michigan yeah <clears throat> they made it across lake michigan and they're and they're in some cabin or something and jeevan is just slicing off a piece of backstrap off of a deer and it's just kind of like you were a journalist in the city <laughs> two weeks ago like it's just like how did you learn how to do this Right. And like, that's not nitpicky. That's the thing. It's not, you know, I don't think either of us are asking these questions with the sense of like, um, how do they learn to do it? What it's more so about identifying that like how they learn to do that or how they got in a position to have the resources they have is it's all the story. In slam it's cuts. the story. Yeah. It's but it's like there's a story there. And the show time and again feels like it does not actually tell the story of these characters. And instead it sort of dwells on these really sort of tedious like lore, uh, lore that dumps still, about a that, comic that, book that, that doesn't like, matter. That yeah, exactly. And to this point, the comic book does not matter. I don't know what the story of the comic book is. I don't I'm know, up to the current episode, know. and I don't. I it feels like the most irrelevant shit in the world. And yet they treat it like the comic how, yeah. in Utopia, where it's like where they it assume explain, it's intriguing. Yeah, yeah, where it could somehow reverse our current predicament, but. Like there's not even like before this all begins. Like there's not even really um an explanation of the importance of what the comic book is. Like there's not like a backstory like there was in Utopia with the um you know uh, the guy that was experimented on a military facility and you know they gave him a bunch of acid and he drew a bunch of stuff that then became the comic. This is just like a comic that somebody hands somebody else. And we still don't know why Jeevan knew that like uh, Arthur Leander was getting sick before, was having a heart attack before everybody else in the theater. But Megan, to your point about backstory in the comic, right? It's it's that, it's Miranda. Miranda, who's one of the more secondary or even tertiary characters in this ensemble show. Miranda is the author of the comic, but instead of it feeling like Miranda's the author of this comic and she has this particular role in the plot, it's just like, eh, Miranda's this random character who has no personality and she wrote the comic. Yeah, like, who cares, right? Like, There's no, like, I really don't get it. I don't, like, I don't understand the, like, what the show is attempting to tell you about the Miranda character. Like, or about the comic. She's not even... Yeah, like, or about the comic. The comic is not a MacGuffin, and she's not a magical Negro. There's not, like, a... There's no sort of... It's just kind of like, these are people that happen that we chose to focus on as the world burned. Is really this all this, this story seems to be so far. Right, and I, it's funny. I was, talking to, I was talking to Chris Ryan about it. Chris Ryan's bullish on the show. Um, and I was, you know, I, I think I used the word intrigue and he was making the point of like, oh, I don't think that's necessarily what the show is going for. And to me, I could totally get with that, right? I could totally get with this, this show maybe having a premise, right? Premise being, you know, deadly pandemic, you know, decimates world population. Uh, that maybe sounds like it should be a kind of thriller or something else. And instead it's like, no, actually, we're going to do something a bit more subtle and we're going to do something. Uh, more understated and maybe a bit more nuanced than what it's trying to do, right? But it's like, okay, but then you introduce shit like the comic, but you introduce shit like the comic, right? Where that feels like another gesture toward 
this, this should be intriguing, right? Like you're introducing like a mysterious comic that predicts the all the shit in the plot. And then it's just like it it feels like all of these gestures at a genre that is not actually the sh- the genre that this show in terms of its character work is is suited to operate in, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, why is there a fucking comic in this other than that there was one in the novel? Other other, other than there to be some sort of meta-commentary about how post-pans might have, like, constructed some sort of narrative to make the world make sense after whatever. After whatever they're calling it. The, the, the collapse, the breakdown, the death, the big whatever. I, I have no idea. Like, but it's just like there's no like there is no discernible point to the comic other than there's I, wh- a cool looking astronaut on the front of it. And he don't even look that cool. He look like it's a rip off of Planet Test is my theory about the You know comic. what I was but thinking about? Me, it like- made me think about like the the uh like uh, that that kicks movie that came out in twenty sixteen. Um the where it was the kid that no, I mean like it was a like the show. I think the like the movie was called Kicks. It was like it was uh like part of that proliferation of like indie movies about how a certain um black culture is disappearing from the greater San Francisco area. And this, oh, this was a I know story what you're talking about, about sneakers. Talking about. Yeah, like and it was like the kid that had like he was just like oh I scammed my way into a pair of bread ones and then there's like this kind of story about him holding on to the sneakers and it's a coming of age thing and also like you know um like it's it's just like it's a, it's a good movie i guess wait you know? but, but there's like a there's an astronaut in it too which basically is his outward projection of isolation powerlessness the feeling of floating in space when you are a you know tween in Oakland with no money but you want to be flossing like the other like the like the drug dealers that you look up to blah 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 there's also an astronaut returnal I'll point I'll point that out that serves a similar function as in this oh, yeah. story I, I will I just we'll cut to break in a second I just I feel like on a literal level like on the most local sensible level it feels like yes the comic obviously exists to posit something about the relationship of like Mackenzie, so Kirsten, right? And the prophet character, right? Who's Tyler, who is sort of this, you you view him initially, right? As like a cult leader who has this, this weird sort of way of talking about the before times. And like, is he leading some sort of doomsday cult that has some sort of secret insight into the origins of the pandemic. And it feels like the comic book is meant to force <laughs> he also a link. smiles and, and when make... he's in pain. Yeah. It, it's like the comic book exists to kind of like do the work of, again, like spelling out that relationship for you before those characters even meet. Um, but it's like, why do you need a comic book to do that? I don't know. It just feels so hacky. It feels so hacky to me that it's like the comic book exists mostly as a book of catchphrases for the characters to mumble themselves, like fake deep, you know, catchphrases for the characters to pull out of their ass every time some ominous music plays. That's what the comic book feels like. And it feels like such an encapsulation of what the show's problem is. I'm like, okay. Like, it's like, I should have written like a Rob Harvilla style blog post about my several attempts to make it through the first two episodes of the show. (laughs) 
Because it's just like there's I like there's I because I mean the part where he goes like to the monsters where the monsters and like you know flicks his hair on oh my- his face on the on like on the on the dock by the lake and I'm just like ugh kill me now right this instant somebody come and drive a a small Ford Focus GT straight the fuck through my forehead. I'm sick of this shit. And it's not even just it's, the first time. It's the fact that they say it like every episode. Multiple times. We're the monster. And he's just like, okay, Joker. Like, oh, no. Oh, you. It's just like, man, you really thought you had some shit right there, man. You like you you pulling this shit out every week. There's no like it's. Yeah. The comic is 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 just so it's just so frustrating. It's just such a it's frustrating. Corny. It's just corny. Aberration. It's like yeah. Corny. It's. Yeah. Um, Let's pull off for a second. We can take a break. We'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more about this and we'll try to pull it off a bit because I think. I, I, I don't know. We, I want to be more sophisticated than, than hating. And I, I ain't calming down no more. Thoughts. I'm sick of y'all people trying to calm me down. Okay. Well, Mike is not going to calm down, but we're, we're no, going kidding. to break and like, see what oh, happens. We're going to get a break, though. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Mike, here's the thing, okay? I'm going to give you, like, sort of my sense of this show. Um, I haven't enjoyed it, right? Like, the 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 final episode airs this week. It's not Friday. good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't enjoy But, 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 as context, right? Like, I feel like if I... You remember we talked about um, Lovecraft Country? And uh-huh. you, you didn't like it. <laughs> and then I, by the end, really turned on it. But I... I would say more than half of it in the first half of, of Lovecraft. I really liked it, right? Um, and that was a show where it definitely felt like, I mean, I think, I feel like you and Allison got some like 
annoying Twitter people <laughs> your mentions over that show, right? It uh, was like people thought like it was like I said Lovecraft Country. You probably said something uh, spicier than Allison did. I mean, like I like yes, yes, <laughs> I did. But like you know, at the same time, it was still reasonable and measured and like. I mean, like, you niggas know that, like, too many things on that show meant too much stuff. Like, there was, it was too busy and there was too much going on. There were people that were, like, insulting. Like, it was as, as it was, it was as if I was, they were responding to me as if I was insulting their intelligence. And, <laughs> like, it was just like, well, I said the show was too complicated. What are you talking about? <laughs> Right. Anyway, and, but I was like, all right, good. <laughs> but that's right. And it's like, th there was definitely that kind of person defending Lovecraft Country, right? But I think in terms of critics, right? I definitely know critics who didn't like it. Um, but I definitely read a couple critics who liked it and, and kind of had the same thoughts I did. But when I read like Alan Seppenwall writing about it, right? Alan Seppenwall really loved Lovecraft Country, but it's not like when I was reading him, I thought he was like, I, I thought he gave a pretty faithful account of the show and that I felt like he wasn't hedging when he was sort of being up on Lovecraft Country, but it felt like implicit in a lot of his writing about the show is the idea of like, yeah, you know, I can see what people might not like about this thing. I just happen to really like the wavelength it's on. And I think it's cool. And I think not enough shows on TV do the things or take the swings that this show takes. And... I felt like that was kind of the spirit of him really gassing that show, right? And I think of yeah. something like The OA. And OA is an example of a show where it's like, I fucking love The OA. I love, especially season one of The OA, right? The OA is like a, a show that I think is polarizing. I think a lot of people either hated that show or are like kind of weirdly fascinated with it. I loved The OA, but I definitely wouldn't recommend it to somebody without the caveats, right? Of like, yo, this is a show where a bunch of white kids in the season finale of the first season, Millie Rock through a school shooting. You know what I mean? Like, they're caveats I mean, like, to it's, recommend. It's, it's like, you couldn't just, like, it would be like, yeah. It's like, I was... I, it's weird. I it's a weird like, show. It is like, um, I was, uh, you know, talking to Thundercat about this, about, you know, like, recommending animated people. He's just like, you know, bro, I'm, like, 36. I've, I've seen it all, most <laughs> likely, you know? Like, but it's just like, he's, he was, but he was just like, you know, like, if I was saying, he's just like, you know, if I was seen recommending animated somebody, I wouldn't just toss Ninja Scroll out first. Yeah! <laughs> right, know? right, exactly. Like, there's... Or you would use caveats if you did. You would have some caveats yeah. recommended Ninja Scroll. It's pretty, yeah, you'd be like, hey, man, there are pretty cool action sequences in this, but also it's pretty rapey. You know, you might want to be like prepared for that going in. Is something that you would have to say before recommending Ninja Scroll to, 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 to anyone else. And with Station Eleven, you have to be like, listen, this show doesn't know what it's doing. <laughs> it's, 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 what you, it's what you would have well, to no, say. I was going to work up to that point. <laughs> I, no, because my thing was going to be like, look, a thing that I have never said about the OA and no one has ever said about the OA is like, 
this is the best TV show since The Sopranos. 10, 10. I have no notes. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, but I mean, like, it's and that's like, how people talk about Station Eleven. Critics like talk about this show. Yeah, like, like it's just like this is a show for the Sopranos. season. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's just like, yeah, no, this show does maybe, maybe somewhere within here, this show does something as good as somewhere else. But yes. to me, so far, this show continuously has the energy of when a character speaks the title of a movie in the movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> yeah. No, yes. I like, but you, but you feel me. Like the the entire like, cause cause a, a friend of mine who really like is, is taking has been taken aback by the show, loves it. It's just like yo, like it gets good around episode five. First of all, a crazy thing to say to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like but, but number two like like the, the 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 fifth episode is like that sort of in between period I was talking like the hundred days period I was talking about this group of people that's uh cordoned off in an airport and there's literally a plane of infected people sitting on the runway that has to stay there and just die with all the yeah. with everybody trying to make their connecting flights, waiting in the terminal, making the decision that, you know, we need to quarantine ourselves. We have food, we have light, we have um, we have all the resources that we need. We're just gonna have to stay here. And this is like how we learn where the prophet came from or Tyler came from. But the reveal at the end of the episode is like, I don't know if you watch zero zero zero. But they had like the same like one piece thing going on where the first five minutes and the last five minutes of every episode was like a slow-mo like recap situation. Like there would be like this music that played somehow at the beginning of the episode to be a slow motion sequence that somehow tied to a different sequence in the show. And then it would begin and end on one of those for like probably three or four episodes straight. And you know that the editors were like, man, we are, this is, this is that shit right here. You crazy for this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah it is like, I was, so today I was talking to another colleague and they, they made, I don't even want to disclose names at this point now because it's just like people in witness protection if they like this show, if you work in web media. But to me, it's like, I was talking to a colleague today and, and she made a good point. She was like, you know, part, part of the thing with Station Eleven is that the way that time and character arcs are weaved together a lot of the times can feel like the show, it thinks it's doing these big reveals of things that either aren't that revealing or aren't that interesting, right? And it's sort of all of the... It's, it's, it's oh, you so know what? much you know work. What? It works its way up to what feel like really tedious, marginal sort of like A plus B it's equals like, C. You know, like, did you watch Dark? I didn't. The Netflix show. I, did, the I Netflix tried to get into. I remember all you people recommended Dark to me, and extremely I was like, oh, like it's just like purely plot driven, not really concerned with character development at all, because like you know the characters are who they are across the timelines and the weird jigsaw. This is the nature. Scandinavian show, right? The German one, yeah. And oh, the, the thing German is that, like, one. That yeah, yeah, yeah. one is, I remember this. I remember is purely based on like reveals, right? And it does that one thing so well that you can stick with the show even through at the end of the second season. It's just being like, actually, there's more than just 
one timeline. I mean, like, there's more than just multiple timeline. There's entire different universes. <laughs> like, you're just like, all right, sure, whatever. I'll, I'll like, I'll check it out if they come back again. But like, the show doesn't have any illusions about you finding any of these characters particularly interesting. You just want to see what they're gonna do next. This show, yeah, and I think, like Station Eleven, like requires you to want to know what these people want, who their god is, and like you know who like what they eat. Yeah, you know I mean, and like you don't care about that watching the show. Yeah, and it's like if this, like again, I want to make this clear: if this doesn't want to be like an intrigue thriller type. What happened? What really happened? Like, I, I get it. I totally get it. You want to tell a story about survival and humanity and grace or whatever, right? Pick whatever woo-woo themes you want, okay? I, I think the problem is just that, like, the structure. The show feels so screwed by its own structure because all of the sort of wonky, memento-ass, like, time-linking of everything that the show wants to do has the effect of, like you spend two minutes with one character and then you either teleport to a totally different disjointed point in that character's life or you teleport to a different character's perspective and you're just constantly jumping around like this. And so, yeah, it has the effect of like, you can watch this show and technically, yeah, spend lots of time with the Traveling Symphony and still feel like you don't really know anyone in the Traveling Symphony that well outside of Cameron, at all, uh, really. Davis. Like, I mean, like there is, yeah, th there is a honestly what would have been a very heartbreaking sequence, like where when they when they finally go to the Museum of, of Human yeah. Civilization, mm -hmm. which is the airport, yeah, and um. Uh, what's her name? Uh, leader, leader of the troop. The fact that I cannot remember what her name is is the issue. But like you know, has all the 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 distracting details of the cracked horn rim glasses, the shaved head. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, is constantly on her keyboard or drinking whiskey, trying to get like the show in order. But I can't remember what her name is. But Sarah, like she has a heart. Yeah. I think it's Sarah. Yeah, like she has a like she has a heart attack. Like just as soon as they show up to the promised land, more or less. And, like, it was one of those scenes where I was just like, you know, if they would have played this just a little bit better leading up to this, I might have cried a little bit here. But it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, like, this show feels like walking forward with your shoes tied together. It's just like, there's, it feels like the ingredients are here, right? Like, I think, I think sometimes the performances aren't right, but I think there are moments of great performance. I think there are pockets of this world that feel like really well thought out, right? Like the, the, the minefield and uh, David Cross's crib, right? Where he, you got him dressed like the kingpin. It's like, that stuff felt cool to me. Or or even, even though I know some people have complained about this because it's an embellishment on the book. It would have been, like, it's... Like, the apartment, yeah, the apartment, I think, is a good I, I setting. Mean, I mean, I, it's, it's just that, like, the show could have had more... Because, I mean, like... And I'm thinking of, like, some of the costuming. Um... Like, 
uh, Mackenzie Davis's outfit and Hamlet being made entirely Yo, from left-handed golf gloves. That was fire. Yeah, that shit is <laughs> that incredible. Like, I mean, like, when you were talking about, like, uh, Gil being dressed like Kingpin or whatever, like, I would have liked more of... Like, how did these people reimagine themselves in post-pan? And, like, you know, what did they, like, you know, what what movie characters did they eventually end up dressing up as? Because that's what you would do, like, I guess, you know? Had, I've made myself lord over this corner of the world, and I wear pinstripes now and puka shell necklaces is Gil's whole thing. So it's just like, what's, what is, I feel like there would be more characters like that, you know? You are helping me isolate what I think it is, why I feel more than disappointed. I think there's the sort of how critics are making the show out to be and the sort of dissonance between that and what I'm actually watching. But I also think it's this. I think these characters, right? You take the David Cross character, you take Kirsten, you take Jeevan, right? Um, you take Clark. I love Clark. I love the shit in the airport, right? But you take these characters and you were talking about uh, you know, Jeevan hacking up wolves, right? I think there are so many corners of the show where you're like, wait, how did they get to this point? And instead of telling the stories of like those stories of survival, right? Instead, it feels like this show really goes out of its way with every one of these characters to find the least interesting point at their lives after the pandemic and focus on that. Right. It doesn't really focus on well, the stuff that would know, be interesting to talk about with the traveling symphony. It focuses on the part where they're really kind of just like shuffling around and being annoying. It's 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 really like the focusing on the least least interesting part of these people's backstories feels like a byproduct. Um because it seems as though the show treats these it's so committed to like constructing its own sort of living memory and these characters having their sort of ongoing lives. Yeah. That it's capable of choosing the least interesting part in service of telling a, a wider story about how humanity survives this ordeal versus how individuals do, which would be the more interesting thing. Uh, like, because it's, it's, it's sort of like almost not recognizing the show doesn't recognize that you can tell any part of these characters stories that you want <laughs> yeah yes yeah but yeah. even you know what you know what sucks though is like i think the the sort of again the critical ecstasy like about this show i feel stupid for even suggesting that right because it feels like it feels like a, i don't know like I what we're saying like would be made out to be like because it's like you know you identifying things you felt over the last almost three years, maybe like, yeah, uh, yeah. or, you know, things that you might project out for yourself. If, if this, if this sort of pattern continues to its logical extreme over the next decade, sure. Those are interesting thought experiments, but like, like, I mean, you know, nothing that's happening here is really that tight. Yeah. Yes. And I and again, it's like, I don't think my questions are like dumb populist questions. Right? I don't think me I'm not I don't I don't feel like what I'm asking for is like, oh, why don't you make a more basic accessible conflict or something? That's not what I'm asking for. What I'm asking for is like some measure of character development, you know, or just 
I don't know. I, I mean, don't like, I don't say, think I'm I, asking. Like, I would have. I it's it's not even like it's not even that. I would have liked whoever it was that was making this to have had some kind of some fun with the premise, like even a little bit. Yeah, like, I mean, that is a good point. Yes, there is like this is. I'm I'm sorry to to those of you that love this show. It's boring as fuck, and nothing is like there's nothing particularly revel revelatory or interesting about it. It just happens. It's just kind of like meanders along for an hour and then it's over. Yeah, and it's like I I feel like people I feel like critics kind of take this really annoying two track approach with it, where it's like it's like the you can you can theoretically defend any of it if like under the guise of like, well, it's, it's, you know, it's the post-apocalypse. They're all sad. Like there's no purpose to anything. It's like, okay, but, but then what about the theater shirt? Like you're either going to say that like, this is a survivalist thing to defend some of the stuff that doesn't make sense about the Jeevan arc. But then what about the fact that you just have this frivolous theater troupe that never really worries about resources or anything? Like, you can't make different parts of this show make sense together. It's a post-apocalyptic show filled with people from the humanities. Actors primarily, yeah. and it's not even a little bit campy. Yeah, it's... Mo I mean, they're definitely very... I'd say the, the the Traveling Symphony, they're very theater kitty. But even then, it's like... But it's not even... like it, personality, it's, it, which is sucks. Yeah, but what they dry. are, But what yeah. they are, they're very dry. Their conversations are very dry and very sort of unbothered. And you're talking Anybody, about actors like, in the post-apocalypse. Any know? two people. Yeah, it's just like any two people standing on a bus stop could have been having the conversations that these people are having. Yeah. Yes. And and it doesn't. That's the thing is that like the show doesn't like realize what it has, I guess, for the most part. Like, it's just like this is this could be so much more fun and ridiculous. It could be yet, so much more anything. It just pick a tone. It could be so much more. In, it, it could be it could pick a tone. It could be anything, but instead, it's just choosing to focus on like how mundane the end of the world would be with you know things as they currently are. Yes, and can I? Here's the thing. I we might have talked about this in the context of other shows we've discussed in this this pod i know that when we were talking about something about lovecraft country or like them them is the worst defender of this right those are shows where we probably didn't even talk about the notion of prestige tv as much just because like those shows throw up so much racial shit you have to cut through and then it's just like i don't know but th this show is much easier for me to sit with and be like oh this is a lot of what sucks about prestige tv because it feels like kind of what happened with this show is that one thing you can say about it for sure is that if you're a critic and you are sick of writing about cape shit on Disney Plus, this show comes along and it kind of at least feels like it's written to give you something to write about. And it feels like the undercurrent of a lot of the again, I'm not just talking about people liking the show. I'm talking about people feeling like people are like wildly overselling what this show is. I feel like that comes from the perception of like a hostage situation, right? Of like. <laughs> Look, we we gotta hype yeah. this because otherwise, like, we're gonna the, the only choices we gotta write about Cape Loki shit. season nine. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are yeah. our choices. Uh, yeah, and yes. I sympathize yes. with that. At the end of the day, even somebody who didn't like Station Eleven almost at all, really, except for two episodes, the pilot and the the Clark 
the first airport make episode. more shit like yeah it's just like make more shit like it like there's like i would like more stuff in the vein of probably with a more sort of varied and whimsical tone than station 11 uh but like i mean you know obviously there's a there's an appetite for like this sort of weird dystopian stuff yeah. again you know yeah. we've yeah. passed the like, I mean, like, it kind of got stale post the, like, you know, the economic downturn. Like, the recession films, like, you know, all the the teen trilogies where, like, there are people in plasticky leathers fighting for their, you know, faction of, of white people in lace. The, the, <laughs> you, you, the, 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 you know, Divergent and, and Hunger Games, etc., like, I mean, I'm just saying that there's like a, like there could be like a new, like a new wave of that again, just like more considered, maybe weirder, maybe more left field. Just not as, as stupid, not, not as like stale as Station Eleven. But it's, it's not even, it's, it's also this. And this is why I brought up the OA and Lovecraft earlier, right? It's like, look, if the circumstance is just that, you know, we're kind of grading on a curve because otherwise, look, we're about to write about another you know, Boba Fett thing, right? I think criticism is in a lot of ways the art of just coming out and telling the reader that, that like, hey, you know, TV, you know, whatever you think about the ups and downs of the whole sort of like golden era and then post-golden era of TV, in this particular year, Station Eleven happens to be one of the more interesting things that I've gotten to write about. And, you know, that's that's cool and it has some things going for it. And that's sort of why I feel kind of warmly toward it, right? If it felt like that was the pitch, that feels like criticism, right? Sort of saying that like, yeah, Station Eleven is more interesting than writing about a Disney thing that I'm going to have to write about because Disney is annexing all of television, right? Um, I, I don't think criticism is about sort of like taking any scrap that is not Loki season nine and pretending that it's the Sopranos. I just, that's, and that's what it feels like it's happening. It feels like, it feels like the product of the, the conversation around this show is less about the show being that good and more about it being like, I don't know, a reaffirmation of like the standing of prestige TV against the stuff that's not prestige TV. Because otherwise, I just don't know how to make sense of this show. Other, or I don't know how to make sense of the critical reception of this show otherwise. I can make sense of people yeah. liking it. I just can't make sense of people sort of selling it this hard. when I Trumpeting feel like it. Critics yeah, have I, panned like, I shows. I feel like critics have panned the fuck out of shows that are pretty similar to this show and have pretty similar failings to this show. Including the OA. I think this show is more like the OA than anything else is like the OA. And I feel like critics hated the fucking OA, you know? Yeah. So, like, you know, is it Uchi Wally or is it one mic? Critics? I'm sorry. Anyway, like, yeah, I mean, like, it is, <laughs> it is, like, very, I like, it, it like, it is confounding, though. I, I, I really don't understand, like, I don't understand, like, why people are so bullish on this show. Um, yeah. If and you this, are, we, maybe you would like to tell caveat. us. Yeah. No, 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 we can get emails in a second. One last caveat, because this is another thing I was sort of combing through 
like uh people who on staff know i don't like the show they were sort of coming through like here are some people who secretly agree with you on the internet <laughs> and like yeah one of the conversations i saw sort of raised the interesting point of like you know the occupational hazard of like have you considered that you're overthinking it and it's like look if you want to tell me i'm overthinking wandavision by all means tell me that but this is a case where it's like you're talking about an adaptation of a literary novel that is doing all sorts of wonky time bullshit and is about as pretentious as I am. And I don't know. I don't think this show feels like if anything, it's so self-consciously literary and pretentious that like, I, I don't, I, I, I want to stake my flag here before we repeat the sort of emails that listeners can send their feedback to. Like, I don't think I'm being unreasonable at trying to meet this show on the level at which it suggested that it was written. If that makes sense. That's all I yeah. got. We're sound only pod at gmail.com. <laughs> Is there anything else, Micah? People should email us about station 11. Uh, People should email us about station 11. Um, let's see. What else should you email us about? Um, uh, I don't know. Email me about your Grand Theft Auto Five online escapades. <laughs> I'm playing through the I'm playing through the story again for the for the first time in a while, and like in in anticipation of getting my skills back so I can get online, you know, and do some heists and stuff. And I just, you know, I want to whatever. I'm opening a line of communication. Uh, but that's all I got. See, no, you're uh, playing from... Grand Theft Auto. That's why your brain's not big enough to process advanced literary fiction adaptations of timey wimey stuff. Um, I believe I just spent an hour processing it in <laughs> like your 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 crazy <sighs> pandemic fiction. I mean, like I'll make it do what it do, baby. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Mike Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. You really do email us about Station 11. Soundonlypod at gmail.com. We will see you all next week. Let's go.